Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. This is episode 22 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. Today I have a fantastic interview with Steve Brown. Steve is the president of Arrow Leadership, which is an organization focused all around developing Christian leaders. Um, But Steve has some fantastic stuff to share about the myth of the balanced life. And a lot of us are often seeking a life of balance between uh, work and the rest of our life and that kind of thing. Um, But he talks about the importance of a life that is centered on Jesus, which doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to be balanced. Um, And then asks, what are the sustainable rhythms that support a Christ-centered life? And that is basically the heart of what we talk about today. Um, Just what are those rhythms, those practices, and those habits that support having a life that is centered on Christ and not always seeking after uh, this this perfectly balanced uh, life that is so elusive that we often seem to be after. Um, so it's a fascinating conversation with Steve, and uh, there's lots uh, packed into this interview for you today. I also wanted to remind you today, uh, if you are enjoying these podcasts, to please go and leave a review on iTunes. And uh, the best way that I know to do that is to actually do it on a computer. I know some of us listen to this on phones, um, but if you uh, have iTunes on your computer, you just open that app and just in the search, along with all of the videos and uh, songs and all of that, just go to the search bar and just search for spirituality for normal people and it'll come up and you can just go into uh, the podcast and it'll show you Uh, the entire list of podcasts, Uh, but then there's a little tab there that says ratings and reviews, and you can click on it, and you can leave a review and a rating. And uh, there are just a few there right now. Um, There's a few more in the Canadian iTunes store than there are in the American one, and I thought I would just take a moment today and read you the reviews that are there on the Canadian side, anyway, because I know some of the people who've left those reviews, and I'm really thankful for those. So uh, my first uh, review ever on the podcast was early on, and it was by uh, Pat Andolo, um, and uh, I was really thankful for for Patrick uh, leaving this, and he just says, I can't wait for the second podcast, because he uh, uh, left the review after the very first one. Um If your sermons are anything to go by, I'm sure this podcast will be just as profound. Thanks so much, Patrick. That's so great. Uh, Then Chippy the Green said, loved the practicality. Just listened to the interview with McDonald Lee. That's with uh, Teresa, uh, which was one of those first interviews. And uh, Chippy the Green said, great practical ways to integrate spiritual practices into my life and family life. Great honesty. Can't wait to try some new prayer ideas within our family. Thanks so much for that review. Linda Barron uh, said this was a great podcast with lots of practical tools to use. And then the most recent review that I've received was from uh, Lisa, and uh, who I just met this past June. So I'm really uh, thankful that she was able to leave a review on the podcast as well. And she says, Hey Matt, just wanted to stop by and let people know who may be looking for an awesome, relevant podcast. This is it. Giving practical tips and interesting interviews on how to stay connected with God through personal spiritual practices is so valuable. Something not talked about enough in the church is the ideal that we need to take ownership of where our spirituality is going. I love the diversity of the guests on the podcast. They all bring super interesting perspectives and life stories along with them. 
that we, the listeners, can learn from. Keep up the great work. I love listening to these when I'm out walking and enjoying creation. Thanks for that review, Lisa. These reviews mean so much to me. And so if uh, if you leave a review, you might get it uh, read out on the podcast. And, uh, and I just love seeing those uh, come up. And it also helps for the podcast to become visible to others who are searching in iTunes for similar kinds of things. So it actually helps me out. So if you're a listener and um, you think others might benefit from uh, hearing some of these podcasts, go over to iTunes, leave a review. Um, also, one of the best ways to, to share it is to simply share it. Let a friend know. Um, let someone in your church know, if you're going to church, that there's this great podcast that you listen to that uh, is helpful to you. Uh, and for now, just enjoy today's podcast with Steve Brown. Today I've got Steve Brown with me on the podcast. Uh, welcome, Steve. It's great to have you on. Yeah, great to be with you. Yeah, and Steve is uh, from Arrow Leadership. And um, I got introduced to Arrow just a couple of months ago at a World Vision event that I got to attend where Steve was the, the speaker and we got chatting and I just said, you should come on my podcast. Uh, because I was just so impressed with what you had to say, Steve. And um, But I think for my listeners, there might be a lot of people who don't know about Arrow, as I didn't really know about Arrow, um, but it is a really interesting organization. Um, so maybe we could just start there and you could just sort of let us know about Arrow and maybe just a little bit about yourself as well. Great. Thanks, Matthew. Well, it's great to be with you and with your listeners. And Arrow Leadership, uh, where I serve as the president, is a Christian organization focused on developing leaders, and particularly pastors and parachurch workers, uh, leaders in the nonprofit world or in the marketplace. And the mission of Arrow for the last 26 years has been to develop Christian leaders who are led more by Jesus, who lead more like Jesus, and who lead more to Jesus. So that sounds like a bit of a tongue twister, but um, the key word there, if you caught it, was Jesus and recognizing that Jesus is the leader of leaders. There's no one uh, like him, uh, no one more worthy or trustworthy. He's set apart in terms of uh, his life and leadership. And our focus is, is walking with Christian leaders to help them be led more by Jesus. And that's really where it connects with probably your podcast here, because if we're to be led by Jesus, that means we want to have a intimate relationship with him. And how do we do that? So that's one of the foundational parts of uh, Arrow. And then leading like Jesus is, is the character, the health and holiness of Jesus' character and the competencies of leadership. And then leading more to Jesus is helping people uh, as a result of our leadership uh, know who Jesus is and give them the opportunity to follow after him. Yeah, that's really good. I think um, I really like how uh, the focus is on on Jesus um, and we sometimes take for granted that things in the church, well, of course we're focused on Jesus, but but if we don't actually say it and spell it out and uh, and point people directly to him, I, I think that's really important. Um, particularly as well, like I, you're, we're going to talk a little bit in the leadership context, but as well for just anybody who is, uh, who is a Christian, um, I've really tried to, I shifted some of my focus to say, you know, oh, from getting involved in church or getting involved in this thing that we're doing to say, well, how is it that I can in my preaching or in my ministry, how can I point people to Jesus? Because I don't really want people following my program or following me. I want people following Jesus, following him. So I really like that emphasis. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, odd in one sense that uh, Jesus sometimes is, is novel as a focus point. Um, with my own leadership journey, I was so um, uh, much a student of leadership, going to conferences, reading books. Um, most of the topics or conversations were around tips and techniques or tools. And, you know, we all need tips and techniques and tools. Uh, but I remember uh, my first assignment when I went through the Aero Leadership Program 17 years ago. I was pastoring a church, and um, I was expecting Aero was going to give me lots of tips and tools and techniques. And there were some of those. But the first assignment was to read this book by our founder, Leighton Ford. Um, and the book is called Transformational Leadership. And 
as I read it, I was excited. You know, there's going to be all these tips and tools. And the book from cover to cover was about Jesus. And initially, I was, to be honest, a little bit disappointed. Like, isn't there something, you know, um, more uh, special or uh, some sort of leadership secret you're going to give me? But as I got into the book, uh, chapter after chapter about Jesus, I was actually really deeply blessed because he is the leader of leaders. And though there's lots of good stuff out there about leadership and there's some not so good stuff there out there about leadership, um, he's our real focus point. And uh, uh, we want to, uh, if we're leaders um, in a Christian organization or as, as Christ followers, we're actually followers of Jesus. And um, so we're to follow after him. So that's uh, our focus. And as, as best as we're able to focus on that. Yeah, that's really good. It reminds me of, I've had uh, congregation members in the past who come to me with, you know, here's a, here's an issue that's going on, or I'm trying to figure something out. Um, and <laughs> I've at times asked, well, have you, have you prayed about that? And <laughs> sometimes the reaction has been, well, well, yeah, yeah. But I, but I want to, uh, I want to, I want your advice or I want your opinion on that. And then I kind of stop and say, well, not, yeah, yeah. Like, have you actually gone to God about this mm-hmm. issue and how much time have you spent actually doing that or going to scripture or connecting with Jesus Christ around the question you've got. I probably don't have the answer for you. Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of a a sad reality is pastors don't always have the, the answers or the advice that that people are necessarily seeking. But I I see my job as actually, I've got to remind people of where you go for the insight and the wisdom uh, rather than me supplying the answers. It can be a temptation as a leader sometimes to think that we're the ones who are going to supply answers as well, mm-hmm. rather than be a pointer to uh, the one who actually does have the depth of wisdom to help people. For sure. Yeah. Um, can I ask as well, I wanted to, and we're maybe just kind of slipping into this anyway, uh, but what do you see as the, the greatest need among Christian leaders? I mean, we're kind of talking about uh, going to Jesus and maybe what that looks like, but what do you see as the greatest need among Christian leaders or even just among Christians? Yeah. Um, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, that's often what we're very focused on. And in a sense, it's the great commandment. So we should be focused on it. Um, and as Christian leaders, um, we're often so much involved in doing. And we're, we kind of take that commandment on as a, as a doing. Um, and what I've found is, is we, we often forget that loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is actually predicated on first believing that God loves us and receiving that love for, our, for ourselves. And we're so busy um, preaching, teaching, singing about um, doing acts of love and service for others, living out the great uh, command that um, we sometimes miss actually getting through our head and into our heart, the idea that um, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us first. And if we can understand uh, Ephesians 3, and how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God for us, that actually uh, becomes the spiritual reservoir for us to live out, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Um, so I think that's actually, ironically, uh, we get so busy doing that we miss being and um, being loved by God. Um, and uh, receiving that love from God. So how do we get out of that, that trap of being focused on doing? What, what, <laughs> it's a funny question. What can we do to, yes. to, uh, to, to get out of the, the, this kind of trap? Yeah, I think um, part of it is just awareness and, and, and recognizing that uh, first and foremost, God loves you. And I've, I've been with... Um, pastors, I remember watching one walking back from one of our uh, devotional time and worship times um, at an arrow uh, week where we pulled together leaders. And he had tears in his eyes actually coming down his face. And I said, are you okay? Because I didn't know what was, um, what was the challenge for him. And he said these words to me, 
I'm just starting to understand how much God loves me. And that was a breakthrough way beyond giving him a tool or technique or a tip about how to be a better leader. Because if he gets uh, the magnitude of God's love for him, that I believe will impact uh, his relationship with his family. If, if he has a family, uh, that'll impact the relationship, how he leads his team. If he's got a team, how he uh, preaches and teaches. Um, so it's revolutionary. I mean, Karl Barth, the great theologian, um, was asked, you know, in light of all the uh, learning and work you've done, what's the greatest theological truth that you've learned? And he went back to that song that many of us learned long ago, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So Karl Barth, who's, you know, forgotten more theology than, than I likely know, uh, goes back to that simple truth that's actually more profound than some of the more complicated uh, things that we uh, relate to. So I think awareness uh, is really important for us as a starting point. Yeah, I think, I, I think so too. Um, I also think like, I'm sure there's, there's other pastors who are listening to this as well. So like we need to remind ourselves and I think that's kind of what you're pointing to as well is that, that leaders and, and pastors of churches need to remind themselves that uh that we are loved children of God um, and that that needs to be where our identity is coming from. And that's, what's going to inform things like our preaching and, and the way that we lead. Um, so I, that, that is so important. Many of us are on a performance basis with God. We, we, you know, we can teach about what God has done, what Jesus has done. Um, but recognizing for us uh, often uh, I find there's a drivenness in many people and many leaders and it's it's a drivenness for acceptance Uh, and if I do well uh, that'll become my identity but that identity only stays with us for uh, until our next you know Sunday or our next sermon or our next doing whatever the doing is and if it goes well, then we feel that's been affirmed. But if it doesn't go well, then all we've got left is to try harder next time. And this cycle um, I talked about in, in my book is called the cycle of grief because we're, we're driven to do in order to develop our identity. And often we don't do well enough in our eyes or in the eyes of others. And it, it's, it's like trying to hold water in our hands. It can stay for a moment and then it's gone. Um, and this idea of working for acceptance is scripturally off. Uh, it's wrong. Uh, we're serving from acceptance. Mm. Um, and uh, that's a really important distinction, uh, serving from acceptance rather than for acceptance. Yeah, I did, you casually mentioned your book there, but I want to ask you about your book too. So, um, what's the what's the title? Yeah, the title is "Leading Me," okay. and it's eight practices for a Christian leader's most important assignment. Yeah. and that assignment is around leading me. I often find that um, I'm my most uh, important leadership assignment, <laughs> and I'm also my most difficult leadership assignment. Um, so I've got organizational leadership challenges. I've got team leadership challenges, but I often find that the biggest challenge is the guy that looks me back in the mirror every morning. Um, and if I can lead myself well, that will in turn help how I lead teams and organizations as well. Yeah, for sure. I know I will definitely put a link to the, to the book and to your website in our, in our show notes so people can find that. Great. Um, what some of what you were saying as well was actually reminding me of uh, the second part of of uh, my book, "Let God Be God," which I think kind of connects to this. Um, and that's where, like, I think we we're used to saying we're saved by grace, um, but then we're we're really terrible at actually living that out practically. Like, I feel like we know that intellectually, or we think we, we kind of feel that from time to time. We don't necessarily live it out practically. And I, my sense is that we in the church, we even turn faith itself into a work or the building of faith. So we think, oh, well, 
you know, do I have enough faith or am I going to enough Bible studies or am I praying enough? And we've just kind of, we start to measure ourselves on these kinds of things, which seem to have this goal of uh, making ourselves righteous as opposed to receiving the righteousness that God has already granted us in Christ. And then, you know, realizing that we're loved by God and then anything that we do out of that is, is our service. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I explore that a little bit in that book of this, this problem that we seem to have that, that we, we kind of miss that we actually are saved by grace because we, we emphasize the saved by grace through faith part of it and think, well, now I've got to have enough faith and build my faith and do a bunch of things to have the right kind of faith in order to fulfill whatever it is that is required of me for God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of mess that up quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, in, in John chapter one, um, two of John's disciples catch uh, sight of Jesus and they get uh, all excited. And um, Jesus uh, turns and asks them a question. And the question is, uh, what is it you want? Which is a pretty profound question, uh, especially when you think about who's asking it, uh, actually has the ability to um, make it happen. Um, and John's two disciples, I don't know if they intentionally did this or whether they're just kind of shocked by the question, but they said, um, uh, we'd like to see where you live. And which I, I wouldn't have answered that way. Um, I, you know, I would have had a, uh, some sort of genie in a bottle wish, um, for Jesus. Um, but Jesus responds and he says, um, or the passage uh, says that they spent the day with him, with Jesus. And the disciples might not have been too far off in their request because they got to spend a day with Jesus. And I was, I have a, a spiritual director who helps me kind of cultivate my soul. And he asked me to uh, look at this passage from a personal perspective and uh, asked me the question, if you were to spend a day with Jesus, Steve, what would it be like? What would, what would you do? What would you talk about? Uh, what wouldn't you want to talk about? Um, what might Jesus say to you? And as I reflected on those questions, um, in a sense, tried to put myself in that story in John chapter 1, I recognized that my day with Jesus uh, felt really awkward because I was wanting to do stuff. Uh, I mean, Jesus is a pretty important and busy person, and shouldn't we be doing stuff? Um, and in my kind of reflection, Jesus was actually fully present with me and fully um, available, not in a rush, um, not uh, wanting to go and do something. He just wanted to be with me. And that was a um, really uh, challenging reflection for me, being the doer that I am. And part of our wiring, I think, as ministry people and pastors sometimes is to do and we're expected to do, but we also want to do and uh, get some of our identity from our doing. Mm-hmm. And here was Jesus who, um, uh, in my kind of reflection, the, what Jesus said to me was, enjoy me. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of blew my paradigm that I could, uh, that I'm actually designed to enjoy Jesus and to be enjoyed by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was just uh, challenging and freeing for me and very special for me to uh, think part of um, my life and calling is to actually central to my life and calling is to enjoy Jesus. And sometimes I'm in our 24 seven, 365 world going way too fast to even see that Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. And um, this idea that one of the other things from the reflection was uh, as if Jesus was saying to me, Steve, don't let this season that you're in uh, busyness um, in any way, take away from uh, enjoying me and allowing me to enjoy you. Right. That's really good. And, and like those disciples, they, I, I feel like they, they got it right. I don't think I would answer that question <laughs> that way either. And then, in, you know, when we get to John 14 and John 15, Jesus is, is talking and using language about abide in me as I abide in the Father. And that's really just about, it's just a being together, um, this idea of abiding in Jesus. Or I like that, that image that you're, that you're sharing about, you know, what would you do 
are not due, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, spending spending the day with Jesus, uh, what would that be like? Mm-hmm. Um, see, I'm even having trouble with my language. Like, I'll just automatically say, what are you going to do? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just the way I'm wired to think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I shared recently uh, on an interview that I was doing um, that, uh, you know, I will often pray questions. Like, I'll pray, God, what would you like me to do? And I shared in that interview that a lot of, sometimes the answer that I received back from God is, I don't want you to do anything. I just, I love you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's still a good yeah. question to pray. Yes. But sometimes the answer is not, you know, spelling out, here's what, what's needed of you. Here's the way you can serve. Sometimes mm-hmm. the answer is, no, that's, mm-hmm. that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> you just need yes. to know that I love you. Uh, and, uh, and those are great answers to get from God and God avoids, uh, the question that you're asking. <laughs> and, and under, you know, understanding God's love for you is actually, you know, the wellspring for how we love others, uh, love one another as I have loved you. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have that, uh, ongoing experience and understanding of God's love for us. That means it's going to be hard for us to love others. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately our service needs to flow out of not um, just our expectations or demands around us, but out of an overflow of God's love in us. If we understand the magnitude of God's love for us, that's going to overflow in service to others. Yeah. And so many of us are leading out of tanks that are empty and we kind of uh, keep pushing through and I've been alongside too many who have pushed through uh, to the point of, uh, uh, you know, detriment to themselves and to their organization or their leadership as well. Yeah. So, so again, like I'm going to come back to other than sort of awareness, mm-hmm. um, you know, what uh, I'm interested in, in is sort of what spiritual habits or practices might, might be in place and, particularly for people who maybe are, are hectic or are, are trying to push through busyness and are, are operating out of a, uh, an empty tank. Yeah. Well, one of the things that drives the empty tank, I think, um, beyond expectations we have for ourselves or those that we think other ha- others have for us, is this idea around a balance. So I don't know if... if um, uh, you've been taught uh, about work-life balance and how you need to balance uh, everything in your life. And um, I've become, uh, became a disciple of, of, you know, seeking after balance, that everything in my life would be kind of in this alignment, this equilibrium, this symmetry where I'm in the center. Uh, God's uh, one of the roles. Uh, you know, I need to put God first and then family and then work and then my extended family and then my friends, then fitness, then finance, then my household, then my volunteering. Uh, and you've got all these, in a sense, around you, you've got all these compartments with different roles and responsibilities. And your job then is to try and juggle these things in a way that allows you to do everyone without any balls crashing to the floor. And I've, uh, despite the fact that I've learned a lot about it, despite the fact that I'm a very disciplined person, despite the fact that I've taught other people about balance, I've discovered that I have a, almost an impossible time trying to be balanced for more than a few minutes at a time. And, and uh, balls come tumbling down. I feel guilty. I feel uh, burdened. You know, I got to do this faster. What's wrong with me? Um, why, why do I have so many pressures on me? Uh, and what I've discovered just quickly is that I don't think balance is a helpful term anymore. Um, balance puts uh, this burden on us that I don't think is, is possible for, for Christian leaders, at least, in a rapidly changing world. How do you juggle when everything underneath you is shifting all the time? It's very hard to juggle. Uh, secondly, when I look at the life of Jesus, I don't necessarily come with the word balance um, to what he calls us to. Uh, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow after me is not a balanced statement. Um, It's a radical statement. Uh, When I look at the life of Paul or John the Baptist, I wouldn't use the word balance uh, in the same sentence with those guys um, because it's a radical followership that they're engaged in. Um, When I look at um, great performers, 
who excel in whatever their field is. I mean, would you call Elon Musk balanced? Um, no, uh, he's making a great contribution. Yo-Yo Ma wouldn't be someone I'd put the word balanced beside. Um, so practically, biblically, and then just looking at the contemporary world, the word balance doesn't seem to work uh, in a helpful way for me. So in, I've, I pushed that aside and I've embraced something different, and that is um, seeking to be Christ-centered, mm-hmm. having Christ at the center of all of my life. Uh, so instead of uh, putting me at the center with all these different roles and responsibilities that I'm trying to juggle, putting Christ at the center and having those responsibilities uh, revolve around Christ uh, in me and at the center of me and recognizing that these aren't, um, I believe that Jesus is as excited and interested in my play and my rest as he is in my doing. And that's a radical uh, thought. Um, So rather than having separate compartments competing against each other as I try and juggle them, recognizing that Christ is in the center of all and wants to be actively involved in all these things. Um, So that's just a a mindset um, difference. So instead of balance, I'm talking about being Christ-centered. And I'm looking at what are the rhythms that help me to be Christ-centered and developing those rhythms on a daily weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly basis. That's really good. Uh, that was something that I heard uh, a number of years ago. I think his name Jack Fortin. I don't know if... Uh, I've, I've he, heard uh, Jack's name, but I don't know his teaching on it. Yeah, I, and it, it's quite some time ago now, like maybe 15 years ago. Um, but I heard him talk about... Uh, and he was running an organization called Centered Life, I think, mm. out of um, uh, Luther Seminary, connected with Luther Seminary. Mm. And, and that was his, his same kind of way of thinking about things, um, was, was kind of rejecting the, the idea of having a balanced life. And I think even their logo, I remember, had uh, a fulcrum, and it wasn't in the center. It was slightly mm. off-center. <laughs> And, uh, but then, but then it was called centered life and, and talking about being centered around Jesus, um, rather than seeking this elusive balance that, mm-hmm. uh, so I, that, that stuck with me for some time, but at the same time, like you, I would chase after, well, what's the best organizational system I could, I can have to accomplish everything, to get everything done. So I looked mm-hmm. at the getting things done, uh, David yes. Allen stuff and, um, and I think people, I think people should look at that. Like, I think it's good, like have an organizational system, but I think if that's becoming what is guiding you, then you've got, then in a sense, you've got the wrong thing guiding you, mm-hmm. uh, right. It's, it, it's Jesus centered and Jesus guided. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you're not necessarily using the organizational system to make the decisions about what you're going to do at any particular time in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, One of my favorite books uh, in this area is a book by Ken Shigematsu called God in My Everything. Mm -hmm. And in that book, uh, Ken uh, looks at this idea of Jesus-centered life and and rhythms. And he uses an old term, uh, rule of life, Mm, uh, which uh, was uh, something that, you know, centuries ago was much more uh, actively used in terms of its wording. But the idea is, is like a Uh, a grape vine, if it grows in the ground, those grapes are not going to get sunlight. Uh, They're going to get too much moisture probably when it rains. They're going to not grow to their full potential. But if you put a trellis up and hang the vine on the trellis, uh, it's off the ground, it's getting sunlight, it's getting the right amount of moisture, and that trellis um, becomes a structure that helps those uh, vines to thrive and the grapes to produce fruit. And that idea of a rule of life is like the trellis um, uh, that we can develop for our life to help our, our, our life um, have rhythms that, that bring us life and growth and fruit. Mm, Um, And some of those can be daily. Some of those can be weekly. Some of those can be monthly. And we're, we're actually part of the creation order is, built on rhythms. Uh, We have day and we have night. We have six days of work and one day of rest. We have different seasons in in winter, spring, uh, summer, and fall. Uh, Old Testament, there were different festivals to celebrate at different times of the year. 
um, all of us have rhythms already. Um, I think, you know, we, we woke up today and brushed our teeth uh, likely before we, we started work today. Um, so we have some rhythms, but developing some spiritual Jesus-centered rhythms, I think, can be really helpful for uh, busy people particularly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's just kind of what this, this podcast is all about, really. I, so can I ask you, what does that look like in your own life? Like we could talk general principles, yeah. but I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe the specifics of what are those rhythms for you and maybe people can extrapolate what that might yeah, be for them. Great. And I'll give a disclaimer, a couple disclaimers. Um, uh, what I'm going to share isn't a prescription for everybody else. Right. Yep. Um, so take no burden or pressure. Here's a to-do list that you, now you have to go and do these things. Absolutely. Uh, and secondly, uh, you may be in a season of life where some different rhythms might be more helpful. Uh, so Ken in his book, uh, God in My Everything, has different people at different stages and walks of life, what they're doing. Hmm. Uh, so it's a helpful um, reference. For me, uh, some daily things um, that I do, uh, one is around God's Word uh, and, and wanting to be in God's Word and to connect with God in that way. Um, and one of the practical things about doing that on a regular basis in a rhythm is having a, a plan. Uh, having a place and having a time to connect with God through his word. Uh, If we're missing any one of those three pieces, uh, usually the practice falls by the wayside. Mm -hmm. So um, a plan in terms of, am I trying to read one verse today or a chapter today or a whole book today? Uh, Sometimes it's great to have quantity and sometimes it's great to have quality. So it could be a verse rather than trying to read the Bible uh, this afternoon, but also having um, a place and then a time. Uh, those things just help reinforce the rhythm. Rhythms aren't supposed to be something that kind of becomes a burden, but like that trellis, a structure for you that helps. Um, so I've got a plan, a place, and a time for being God's Word. In prayer, um, I've got a way that I start my day. So uh, again, not a prescription for everybody, but I um, recognize I want to live a spirit-filled life, that God's uh, life in me would um, guide me, direct me, correct me, uh, and so on throughout the day, empower me. Uh, So I ask uh, God to fill me with His Spirit as I start my day. I recognize that uh, He is the vine, that I am a branch, um, that I need to abide in Him, and I pray that uh, every day. Uh, Teach me to abide today, God. I want to abide. Um, another one is I pray on the, the armor of God every day. Uh, so Ephesians 6, um, uh, I recognize we're in a spiritual battle. Uh, there is a, a roaring lion who's prowling around looking for someone to devour. So I pray on the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and buckle on the belt of truth and ask God to make my feet ready to share the gospel of peace. Um, those are some uh, rhythms for me as I start my day. Um, I've also created a calendar of prayer. Um, so uh, I'll show it to you, but that won't help uh, your listeners. And it's, it's basically just a one-page sheet with uh, five columns and four rows. And on each uh, column is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then week one is a row, week two is a row, week three is a row, week four is a row of a month. And I sometimes get overwhelmed with what I'm, there's too much to pray for. And I actually sometimes I just throw in the towel and don't pray. Um, and sometimes I go, I don't even know what I should pray for. And I kind of draw a blank so I don't pray. So this chart, I filled in, what are some things I'm going to pray for every day? So I, my family's on there. People who are sick or hurting are on there. Uh, And then I have some things I pray for, different things on different days. So I pray for a different friend on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I pray for some of our staff uh, today, two of them today, two tomorrow, two the next day. Um, I pray for some of the things that God's put in my heart, um, mission uh, fields and so on, on certain days. And this just guide uh, doesn't restrict me uh, from listening to other things God wants me to pray about. But it helps me to focus, and it's a rhythm that I can turn to that actually frees me up. Um, So that's another one for me. At 2 o'clock today, I'm going to go for a walk if I'm able to, around the block. Because I sometimes in the office, I feel like I'm like a top that's being spun. (laughs) And uh, 
uh, you just kind of get so into the nuts and bolts and so deep into the trees that you forget the forest. Walking at 2 o'clock for 15 minutes around the block, I catch my breath. I remember that God is good, that God's with me. And I get some maybe just perspective. Again, where's the forest in today? Um, and uh, that's a two o'clock walk. And at the end of the day, some things I do is ask, what can I be thankful for from today? And sometimes I get stuck and I go, I, today was just a bad day. But then I think about, actually, there's a couple things. Oh, yeah. When I, my daughter came to me and held my hand, that was, that was special or um, I begin to see things I can be thankful for, and it changes my heart as I head toward bed uh, to a thankful heart. I also ask about forgiveness. Uh, Lord, search me and know me. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. Is there any ways today that I offended God or offended other people? And I ask forgiveness. Uh, or did anyone offend me today who I need to forgive tonight so I don't take that into my sleep? Hmm. Uh, and then the last one is to park some things with God, to say, what's, what, is there anything that's weighing on me tonight that I need to entrust to God? Um, and then to share those things. God, I choose to give you X or Y or Z um, tonight because you can take care of those things and I can't. Um, there's a great Anglican prayer uh, that I've modified from the New Zealand prayer book, and it's, it's this. It's the end of the day, Lord. What's done is done. What's not done is not done. I entrust all to you. And uh, that prayer is actually a pretty powerful one because uh, often we have regrets or there's more I should have done, or, but it's entrusting all that's been to God. So those are some daily rhythms for me. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Um, I also, I want to ask you about like, what about, what about people who just, who maybe are listening and they, and they just heard you say all of that and they think, wow, I can't do all that. Like, I know we've said, uh, you know, this isn't prescriptive. Um, but, uh, but what would you say to someone who just said, well, that sounds like, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. So, uh, it might be a lot. Um, and I would just encourage again, maybe you start with one rhythm uh, and, and get some traction on it and see if it brings life um, and if it's helpful. And uh, I suspect um, you're going to get a taste of this is actually helpful and good for me. So if I don't go for my walk this afternoon, I'm not going to feel this burden of guilt, but I'm actually, I'm going to actually go, actually, I missed walking today. Um, the same with uh, my, my prayer chart. I'm not, the, I'm not serving the prayer chart. The prayer chart, in a sense, is serving me. Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual disciplines are not an end in themselves. They're a means to an end, Richard Foster talks about in his Celebration of Disciplines book. Mm -hmm. um, so this prayer chart, if I don't do it today, um, I'll do it tomorrow, and I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But it's actually something I am drawn to now. Uh, I don't have to you know, be overwhelmed uh, and think about all the things I could be or should be praying for. It actually simplifies my life. And it's something I get to do, not something I have to do or I ought to do. I think as well, uh, what you're sharing as well has been developed over, uh, over a longer period of time. Yes, so I exactly. like what you're saying, you know, start with one thing. And I also think there can be sort of anchor habits for us. Yes. Um, so once one thing is in place, it then becomes easier to build something else on top of that or at a different yes. time of day, add something else in. And you could, uh, you could change the time frame as well and say, uh, I'm going to have a weekly rhythm of mm -hmm. spending 15 minutes in Scripture right. um, and focus on one verse of Scripture and do that once a week. And I suspect uh, you know, that could be a great place to start. And you might begin to really look forward to that time and uh, carrying that Scripture with you all through the week. Um, so you can change the uh, frequency of the rhythm as well. So we have Sabbath once a week. Um, and uh, uh, that's actually, a, again, a life-giving rhythm that God has given us for our good. Um, and what, what, do you, what do you do with that? Because I think people struggle with Sabbath. Yeah, and I know um, ministry people, Sunday is kind of game day. Uh, 
so to speak, it's a very busy and full day. Um, but for many years, I blew off Sabbath, to be honest with you. Right. And I remember being, uh, I remember this quote in seminary. I don't remember a lot of quotes from seminary, but this one had sunk in me. And I was doing this uh, course on the, on the uh, Ten Commandments, and this prof said, you can choose to break the Sabbath, but you'll first be broken by it. Mm. And I remember that, and I didn't fully understand what it meant, but as I lived my life uh, basically breaking the commandment and breaking the Sabbath and not even, you know, every day is the same, um, work-wise, no day set apart for rest and play and enjoyment and just being, um, I recognized there was something missing. And so Sabbath became something that we've, we're not uh, legalistic about it, but we try and create a space that's set apart for being uh, and not doing. So some practical things for us uh, would be uh, we try our best not to shop on uh, the the Sabbath for us, whatever length of time or day of the week that is. Um, So if we need um, dish soap uh, because we got a pile of dishes um, from dinner, we might go and get the dish soap. But uh, we're not, um, you know, just being consumers like we are uh, it seems six days a week uh, we put our technology away including my teenage kids who um, hopefully one day will appreciate uh, uh, th- that discipline that we've tried to help them with um, we uh, I take a, a rest a nap actually uh, in my Sabbath uh, time um, we do something fun as a family um, we tell the kids um, you know, today's a day we're not driving you uh, all over the city for uh, friend connections and activities. Um, this is a, a time where we're going to be together and we're not going to do all the things that we normally do. We're going to get to do some things we don't normally do, which is to rest, to play, to be together. Yeah. Um, so there's some practical things for our Sabbath. Uh, Mark Buchanan's written a great book called The Rest of God mm. um, that's helpful thinking about the Sabbath. Yeah, that's. I think that's such an important topic, and we we don't have time to get into it today. I'm hoping we're, I'm going to have a, a podcast that's focused on Sabbath at some point. Great episode, because I think that'd be really important um, to to focus on that. Uh, and and again, it doesn't. Sometimes we think it must be Sunday. Yeah. And then as a ministry person, it's like, well, I'm exhausted by two o'clock on Sunday, um, and it's is not. Uh, or I've got visitation or things people to yeah. visit with. Um, it could be uh, a part of a day and it could be not necessarily on Sunday. And I know I might be stretching the envelope for maybe some people, but again, you could start with two hours on yeah. Tuesday afternoon. It's going to be a time set apart for being uh, with God and with those around me and, and enjoying uh, what God's blessed me with. Yeah, I, I try to encourage people as well when we've talked about Sabbath at church to 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 plan out trying to take a full day once, like mm-hmm. not necessarily okay. Now this is every single week I'm going to have my I'm going to have this full yeah. day off, but why not try you know this week? Let's let's figure out what would need to happen in this week in order to have the day off. So let's schedule mm-hmm. the day off and then plan for it. And in the tradition, uh, right back into. Jewish tradition before Jesus, there was a day of preparation mm-hmm. um, because stuff had to get done. Yeah, but we're not going to do any work on the Sabbath, so we do some extra work the day before to yes. make sure you know the laundry's done and the dishes are done and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, we might do a few dishes. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't think we should be legalistic about about it, but I think having the experience, you know, sometimes having the experience of being a little more legalistic with yourself yeah. in order to fully enter what would a day of rest really look like, yeah. I think can be a good experience. Yeah. When um, our, our society uh, suffers from a uh, hurry sickness, yeah. um, we're going 24-7, 365, and we're reaping the, reaping the fruit of that, which is often uh, exhaustion, um, frustration. Uh, we're not at our best. Uh, mm-hmm. tempers are short. Um, sometimes, uh, I know when I'm uh, exhausted that that happens. Um, and our society just, uh, is, is in a sense being broken by the breaking of the Sabbath. Yeah. I think that's a, probably 
a good thing to remind people of is to to try to figure out that time. And again, not the day of the week. I know I usually will take Friday as mm-hmm. my Sabbath. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to take Mondays way back and I found that so much stuff would happen on Sunday at church that my mind was racing on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I was kind of having to make lists of, okay, take care of this on Tuesday. And so Monday ended up being a rest day where I was constantly thinking about things that I needed to take care of that week. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to change and, and go to Friday for, for my day off and yeah. started to learn how to <clears throat> give those things to God on Thursday. You know, if my sermon is not done, which is often the case on Thursday, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then I'm not looking at it till Saturday. Mm-hmm. And and I'll just trust that it, that it's going to be okay. Um, I think I think a Sabbath is also one of those exercises in trusting mm-hmm. uh, that the world is not going to fall apart. It is, and and Sabbath we have to trust, and it's in a sense it reminds us that the world is actually going to go on without us. Yeah. Sleep sleep is actually another one where we trust God um, by you know, closing down for the night. We have, we can't go 24 seven. We have to sleep. And by doing that, we, in a sense, have to trust God will watch over us and will help this help sermons happen the next day and so on. Yeah. Uh, this is really great, Steve. I wish we could keep talking about this, but uh, we probably both have other things that we need to take care of today, or you need to make sure you get your walk today. And, uh, but it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and you have such great, uh, great stuff to offer. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. And, uh, uh, I'm encouraged by what you're doing with this podcast and, and, uh, how it can be a real practical help to, uh, normal people. And I think all of us, uh, are, are normal, uh, or at least, uh, normal in our abnormalness. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I really hope it's a, a great and growing resource for, for more and more people. Yeah. Um, just quickly, where can people find you online? Yeah. Uh, arrowleadership.org is our website as an organization. So arrow, like A-R-R-O-W, like a bow and arrow, arrowleadership.org. And then we've got a free resource um, that comes out every month on sharpeningleaders.com. So sharpeningleaders.com, you can subscribe there to get a free email resource every month. Um, so those are two good ways to connect with us. Okay. That's great. Thanks, Steve. Great. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.